0: We Turned Out Okay, the modern parent's guide to old-school parenting.
1: I want to hang upside down from the swing set.
0: Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke-Cole. I want
1: to climb to
0: the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke-Cole
2: everybody just wanted to make a couple of announcements before we go into the show actually probably several announcements because it's been a really exciting week um, for me but also for uh, some a former guest who we will get into a little bit later Uh, our first announcement is we are on Stitcher I'm so excited for the Android people who want to listen because up until now they've really only been able you we have only really been able to listen by going to iTunes or going to the website and downloading from the website or listening from the website, which is fine. But um, Stitcher is just a great option for people. You can have it on your phone. You can have it on an Android device. And to do that, what you need to do is you need to download Stitcher onto the device. Stitcher is an app. So I think you would probably go to stitcher.com. And then once you're in there, you're going to search for We Turned Out OK. And then you'll find it. And And I hope you'll love it. I think Stitcher could be a really neat app. I haven't spent a lot of time in it yet, but I certainly plan to. Second thing I want to talk about is uh, our amazing iTunes reviews. Again, I love, I just love the support that this show is receiving from listeners. You just make it so worthwhile. It makes me feel so good when people support the show by going to iTunes and giving us a, a really nice rating. And you know writing something nice about us it it first of all it really helps you know with the iTunes system is really based on feedback from listeners so in order for iTunes to recognize a podcast the podcast needs to be getting a lot of subscribes and a lot of downloads and and also a lot of reviews and ratings and you're coming through we are on new and noteworthy in parent and uh, kids and family sorry we're we're on new and noteworthy in itunes which is like where people would go to look for a new podcast that they're interested in looking in in three places we're in new and noteworthy in kids and family education and health which is we're there because of self help really like that's where the podcast is kind of coming up so those three places uh you can find you can find We Turned Out Okay, which is just so exciting. I love it. <laughs> it's because of you. It's because of people listening and liking it and sharing. So thank you for that. I wanted to read some of our amazing reviews from this from this week. We have Fun and Lively by Tech Minimalist, who, again, isn't even a parent. There seems to be a vein of people who are enjoying the show even without being a parent. Maybe it's, maybe it's partly because of the Michael O'Neill show where he... It just we had a great interview. We had a lot of laughs and just a lot of memories and a lot of really good information for for listeners about confronting fears and setting goals. We have these things in our lives whether we have kids or not. So that was episode three. You can find it at we turned out com slash zero zero three if you want to listen to it. And so anyway, Fun and Lively by Tech Minimalist is a five-star review. Thank you so much, Tech Minimalist. And he or she says, if I were a parent, this would be my go-to podcast. Really enjoyed her conversation with Michael O'Neill. And another one is Very Insightful by Dr. Mark C., uh, who says, I really enjoyed listening to your podcast and look forward to many more. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Dr. Mark C. I certainly will. And then we have Great Insights by Ven Diddy. Some great insights on this show related to goal-setting, abolishing fears, and raising kids. Love it. Thank you so much, Venditti. I love doing it. So thank you for giving me the chance to keep doing it. And then the last one I'll read this week is by Loch Nessie C.O., who says, Loving this podcast. So far, my favorites are the music slash intervention therapist and the one about your son snowboarding. I can't wait to hear them all. Oh, thank you so much, Loch Nessie C.O., uh, I have actually kind of some exciting news about the music intervention therapist, which I think this is a really nice segue into this. Her name is Michelle Sharp. You can find her in episode one, which is on the website at com slash zero zero one. And Michelle Sharp came on. If you haven't listened to that yet, uh, she came on because she had started a charity to get children in the Boston area in poverty stricken families diapers because the thing the weird thing is the crazy thing is you don't get like WIC doesn't support food stamps do not support diapers they'll they'll let you get food so you can you know you can eat stuff but they won't help with the elimination part of (laughs) part of eating so Michelle Sharp really saw this problem and saw it in her daily life because she's an intervention therapist in in the Boston area and she she sometimes sees you know some real poverty in her job not always but sometimes and she started to collect diapers not full boxes of diapers necessarily but those you know those diapers that when you when your child outgrows a size and you got five left or when you know your child becomes potty trained and you've got like half a box that you just don't need anymore and if they're opened charities won't take them so basically what she did was she started gathering up diapers and bundling them into, into bundles by size so that she could get them out to the people that need them that she knows about. She's She started with a few drop-off points. When you hear her talking in our interview, she has a couple of drop-off points where people with diapers can drop them off and then she, she'll go and check the locations. And I just heard from her today. Um, Michelle Sharp tells me that She's. They started this charity in October of last year, or November of last year, I can't remember. In March, they had about, I believe it was something like 3,000 diapers. I should have looked this up. Sorry, Michelle, I should have looked this up before I got on tonight. But anyway she tells me today that they've now collected 20,600 diapers, which is a huge jump. I mean, they've been doing this for like six or seven months now. Isn't that just amazing? That's so incredible. That's a lot of kids getting a lot of help. And that they now have ten drop off locations, and I think some of the most exciting news is that she talks about her wonderful boyfriend in the podcast in our interview, and her wonderful boyfriend has now become her wonderful fiance so congratulations, Michelle. I think that 's so exciting um, and I just wish you all the best, and I hope that you know people keep giving people keep giving diapers or or you know giving you help. And I'm really, really, really glad that we turned out okay, got to be a part of that, getting the message out and and helping people to know about it. So again, you know, go back and listen to it. Episode one, uh, you'll get a lot out of it. I'm sure you will. And uh, so now I want to bring us up to date. We are going to today have an interview with an absolutely great um, podcaster, just a, a real leader in the leadership space uh, and... Today, the reason I I bring that up right now, just before we zoom into the show, is that we when we recorded it, we thought it was going to be episode nine. So you'll hear us refer to that, I think, at least once, maybe twice. And it turns out that we're getting we're getting this guest on a little bit early, so it's actually episode eight is the one that that we're recording that that's going out there today. But it's called episode nine in the podcast. I'm sorry. Sometimes weird things happen like that. It's just. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing you can do about it. Anyway, so it isn't episode nine. It's episode eight. It can be found at we okay.com slash 008. And I know you're going to love it. So here we go. Have a great listen. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. We're filing this show under the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, because of all we are going to learn today. My guest today at first might seem like something of a counterintuitive guest on a show about parenting, but I know you'll find, as I have, that he has a lot to teach us about leadership and management in the home. After a full career in varying industries, including financial services and information technology, my guest went on to get his Ph.D. in leadership, organizational behavior, emotional intelligence, and negotiation and conflict management, all key aspects of being a parent and running a home. And now, in addition to his work as a university professor, spouse, and dad, he started the Labrador Leadership Podcast, a favorite of mine, as I'm sure it will become a favorite of yours. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my friend and a true mentor, Dr. Bob Nolly.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm just flattered beyond belief. I am flattered beyond belief. Karen, it is so, so great to be here. Thanks a bundle for having me. Really oh. I'm flattered. And number nine. Number nine. Episode that sounds pretty good too. I like that. Yeah,
2: yeah. We're 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 moving. We're trucking. We're getting some stuff going here. This is pretty neat. And there's so much that I want to ask you about, Bob. Um, I would I was hoping to start with the concept of the big rocks, which was one of the first thing one of the one of your first episodes was about this idea of the big rocks. And uh and so I would love it if you'd kind of talk about it and then I have something I want to share, just a, a little something I wanted to oh, share. Yeah, them, the so. Big
1: Rocks uh, got a lot of feedback on that. And it's it's not a concept that that I created. In fact, I first heard it from Dr. Stephen Covey. Uh, but the Big Rocks are, are this. Uh, he had this uh, this seminar where you could go pay hundreds of dollars, I'm sure, to sit in this ballroom and hear him lecture and it was worth every dollar. But at some point, he said, I'd like to have somebody come up and help me talk about you know, prioritizing their lives. So he has this lady come up. And, of course, everybody cheers, applauds, and cheers are on. And she stands up there, and he has this vat. And it's clear glass. It's like a planter, and it's maybe 14 inches high and 14 inches around, maybe a little bit bigger. And uh, he says, okay, this is your life. And spread out down this long table, which is by 10 feet in either direction from this vat are brightly painted i I call them rocks they were actually balls of different color Mm -hmm. some as big as you know uh, a small basketball and on down to a softball or a cantaloupe and then a baseball and a golf ball all this stuff and he has and there does each one they're all kind of labeled too with one is your health one is your children one is your knitting one is the book you want to (laughs) read one is going to the gym riding bike and he says okay pack these in the urn go And she goes to pack them in as soon as fast as she can. And all of a sudden they're all mounted up and they're falling off the top, dribbling onto the table. And she's still got like maybe, you know, six or seven left. Mm -hmm. And everybody, she feels embarrassed, number one. And the audience kind of goes, oh, you know, it's like the loser trombone slide on The Price is Right. So she's lost. And he goes, all right, empty it again. And he goes, put the big rocks in first. And she does that, puts the big one in, which is her job. And yeah, I was
2: just going to ask and if and you could that. share, like, and what and are some of these big ones? They
1: all get in there, and they all fit. Mm-hmm. And she looks across the top. She squats down, looks across the top rim of it, and it's it's flush even. And the crowd goes wild. They love it. And he, Dr. Covey looks at her and goes, is it full? And, and she goes, yes, it's full. So he reaches under the counter, and he pulls out, like, a milk jug full of sand.
0: Mm-hmm. And even
1: though it's full, you could pour that whole, you know, gallon jug of sand mm-hmm. into it. And the crowd starts to nod, applauding more, and it goes wild. And He goes, it's full, isn't it? Now, yes, it's full. And then he reaches down for another jug. It's full of water.
2: Oh, wow. So he
1: pours the water in, and now the crowd is actually just going ape. And, you know, she's smiling. and And the lesson here is... You got to know what the rocks are in your life and you got to load the big rocks in first. Mm -hmm. And I use this a lot in education when I was teaching and talking to new students. You know, a lot of them were adult students that hadn't been to school, uh, you know, since for 20 years, perhaps ever, maybe the first person in their family to get to go to college. And just to teach them, they have to put the big rocks in first that their education was not like, oh, I think I'll watch American Idol tonight, Oh, I think I'll watch something else tonight. You know, it's it's a big rock. It's it's right behind their uh their health, their job and, and their family and 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 their church, you know, their yeah. faith perhaps. And, and that was the lesson there. And that was much too dramatic. But when somebody sees that, they go, you know, I'm not doing that very well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that very well.
2: The way, the way I've kind of used it too, is, um, I, I have a tendency to put off the, the things that scare me a little bit. Like, so I'll wake up in the morning and I'll see my list, which I've made the night before. And if there's something on my list that I'm like, Ooh, I, I name that the big rock and I put it in my My container first and I get it. out. That means I get it out of the way first, because if I don't, then it's just hanging over my head and I don't feel productive the rest of the day. And I'll find oftentimes I'll be like, oh, I won't do it now. And I'll sort of find a reason to put it off and put it off. And by the end of the day, it's still there.
1: (laughs) And it always will still be there, too. Yeah. You know, applause, applause to you from uh from the perspective of creating a list at the end of the day it doesn't have to be at bedtime as you're trying to wind down perhaps mm-hmm. and you know if you're you don't want anything to keep you awake you want to have some good rest so even if it's the end of the work day or after supper or or somewhere in there just create the list for the next day is a big thing and it's not necessarily the big rocks that mm-hmm. you're going to put first mm-hmm. but it's going to be those tasks that are related to the big rocks. For example, if one is I've got to drive the kids to school, well, you can't not drive the kids to school. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's got to happen. So there are things that I would, I would create that list on the basis of three tasks. You have the A's and the A's are things that have to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. They're not just important things. They're important things that have to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, if you get those those A's done, and there should really only be three or four, mm-hmm. I mean, if you get granularity to the point where you're talking about driving the kids to school and cook dinner and all that, you know, that, that makes the list a bit too big. But if you have, like, three big things you've got to get done today mm-hmm. and get them done, boy, you're going to end up feeling great. You do. Everything else is a B.
2: Yeah, exactly. And And – you can sort of pat yourself on the back. I'm such a believer in. I'm. I'm a kind of an. I, I have an achieving personality. I really like to make lists and then cross stuff off. Oh yeah,
1: we both are in this house yeah. too. Absolutely. And
2: I always feel. I don't know if you. If you remember, you're. A, you're a dad, right? Yeah. And uh, do you remember the? You happen to remember the books Frog and Toad? Did your, Frog and did toad. your children yes. ever read Frog and Toad? There was a Frog and Toad. One of my favorite Frog and Toad stories ever, um, where it's usually Toad who like the sort of he's the I don't want to say negative, but he's the more, like, bad things happen to Toad. He's the one who's always real grumpy or whatever. And Frog is the one who's like, hey, we'll make it better. So Toad writes a list. And, you know, it's like, get up, get breakfast, get dressed, go for a walk with Frog, that kind of stuff on the list. And, like, he goes through his whole day, and he brings the list over to Frog to show him. And the list blows away in the wind, and he can't do anything because he because he can't find his list. That's right. And um and he ends up at the end of the day they've been searching and then basically he just kind of sits down like he doesn't know what to do because he doesn't have his list. And um what he does is he writes the words go to bed in the dirt and he crosses them off so he can go to bed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think we both have days we feel like that. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think it's kind of interesting now, too, whether people manage their list using, uh, you know, a tool on their phone, a phone app, or, you know, whether it's Evernote or some sort of check-the-box app, or people, you know, want to write it down. Mm -hmm. And I've I've talked to a lot of people that still want the pencil and the little Moleskine notebook, you know, so they can write it down. It's like almost reflects a, a heavier commitment. Yeah. This is the words. These are the words I've stroked. This is my plan for tomorrow. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly.
1: And, I, you know, I talked about the A's and the B's. They're also <laughs> C's. C's are the things that, you know, you you would like to do mm-hmm. that have really a much lower sense of urgency. And if you get time during the day, you might work for a little bit on a C to try to get it done. But the A's are the things that have to happen, you know, and we yeah. all have different tools we're more comfortable with. But you know, in the household, you got to do it.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. They, it's, it's been such an important thing for me and, and for the kids, it it gives my, I have 10 and 14 year olds and, um, they will make lists for themselves and cross things off. And, uh, w- what we'll do is if I have a doctor's appointment or something like that, and I, and I am not here for a little while, I'll leave them a list and they love checking off. Like I'll make a little square in front of whatever it is, you know, empty the dishwasher, get dressed, whatever, that kind of stuff. And, and they can check it off and it's like I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know. It's good. So. There's a certain self-satisfaction that serves us well with, with task task completion.
2: Mhm. Mhm. Well, I really love when you interview like other people in the leadership space, so, you know, so I've really enjoyed um for instance, you had a uh, you had well, the guy who runs the um the oil changing stations and he 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 has like blood drives um that yeah, Mark will. Smith. Mark oh. Smith, exactly. I loved that one. I loved him. I loved the uh, the military. I feel like he was a retired military pilot. He he was the one who talked about the four C's, which I like uh, Yeah, Richard Ryerson Richard is Ryerson. a great
1: leadership listen. Yeah he's good. But that first guy I had on Mark Smith, you know, I was I was getting ready to launch and I'm circling up the guests. And uh I'm I'm thinking about, you know, I wanna have names because, you know, the first episodes are so important. Mm-hmm. And I wanna have people that will resonate with uh with folks who wanna go, hey, I'm gonna have Rich Ryerson on. But I've, yeah, I found Mark Smith, and, you know, here's why he's so important. He's been taking care of my cars forever. <laughs> and, Period. Uh, End of story. But, but he's so successful. And I know, you know, folks all over. I mean, you're from a city where you had the guys, and uh, I know uh, one of them just passed away. Oh, the guys click from car and Talk. clack.
2: Yes. Yeah. Tom and Ray and, Maliazzi. You know, the,
1: you know, so car care is like, you know, central to the culture of, of the hub there yeah, yeah but you know folks all over the world you know have trouble getting their cars repaired and stories about problems they've had with the garage never never at this guy never this place oh, and he's wonderful. just he's just that good a person and that whole question i asked him i said so when you're looking to bring somebody on to run a new store you're opening or somebody to just come on to to, to be a mechanic i go what are you looking for and he's not looking for car skills at all because he says, I can send you school. I can teach you the skills. I'm looking for somebody who's a good people person. Mm-hmm. And and that's the deal for him. And then his whole entrepreneurial spirit and giving back to the community with the blood drive and what he's done for the uh, food bank here, which is called more You know, it, it's great. And I just wanted to hold him up as an example to others as to here or what we can do.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah and as I said I love the I love where you interview people in the leadership space but my favorite shows are actually the ones you, you do with Alex could you talk a little bit about the the makeup of those shows they're great
1: Yeah <laughs> I uh I was getting ready to launch and uh I did some test shows and I got people to give us a listen and uh and somebody said you're a lecturer aren't you and I went. Well, yeah, maybe because it's it's being a professor and an educator, a little bit of a lecture. I love talk to people. And somebody said, find somebody to talk to. And I went, okay. And I didn't know who that would be. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, should I ask for a colleague or somebody? And I and I went to my son who is twenty seven, and I said, I'm thinking about looking for somebody to talk to. And he just texted me while I'm talking that he texted me Alex's name, and he goes, talk to her. Oh, and I went, yeah. okay, okay. I said, you know, are you uncomfortable? I don't want to have, you know, like one of my son's friends on there. And he goes, no, talk to her. And so we chatted a bit. And uh, I was up in New York for another event. And uh, she and I, uh, I caught a cab to go uh, uptown, up to 70th Street. And she, you know, broke away. And we had a very quick lunch. And I met her and we kind of hit it off. And so we recorded a couple of things. And she is just a uh, a great addition to the show for a couple of reasons, most of which you've heard. And that is, number one, she's working a day job just like all of us, mm-hmm. but she's got dreams and goals. I mean, you know, she does stand-up comedy. She does event management. She does PR work all off the side of her desk, you know, but she is a real pro at it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted somebody that uh, could not be in the same Age demographic is me. Yeah, she's from you know, a different generation. When I generation. tell folks how old I am, and I'm not going to tell you here, but <laughs> but you know, you know, they go, "Oh, there's no way," and I go, "Way." But I wanted somebody that was a Gen y, or I wanted a millennial, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to not not. I didn't want tension, but I just wanted to have a quality of the conversation back and forth about the issues where. I go, here's what I've seen and here's what can happen. And she's go, here's what's really happening in this environment. Mm-hmm. And lots of people have responded to her.
2: Oh, so when yeah. I record
1: an episode and I go, Alex is off today, I can hear people groaning.
2: It's <laughs> like
1: not good. So I'm, I'm very lucky to have her with us. and I hope we can uh, keep it up for a long time.
2: And you recently did a show on conflict resolution that really resonated with me. I felt like this is such a conflicts don't just happen in the office they happen here at home you know they happen in the home and um I uh wondered if you could kind of share your idea this really resonated with me of having a team or uh, in my case maybe a family or even just a person kind of rally around a concept or a phrase I forget what you called it a motto maybe so that yeah,
1: or it's it's kind of a mission statement mission statement uh, yeah you know I, th- I think in a family I would I've Approached it a bit differently, you know the the point I was making we talked about conflict when you decide how you're going to address a conflict or uh, or or move forward with a negotiation, there are only two things you really care about, and that is how much you care about the issue, what's at stake, or how much you care about your relationship with the other side. Now that's overly simplistic and that's often been called the dual concern model, but you think about it that's it mm-hmm. and in a family. Obviously, you care a lot about the relationship. Yeah,
2: you're not going to say, oh, I don't care about this person.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, that having been said, every family, you know, we've said things that we've regretted. Yeah. And we grow to realize that that was the wrong way to handle an issue. But the learning that happens there is important. Yeah, I think the learning that happens there is so important. You mean so? Like, so do
2: you mean just to interrupt for a moment? Do you mean yeah. like in the in the sense of making mistake, like a conflict in which things are said and you've made a mistake, and and is that kind of where you're what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Particularly from the parental perspective, when I've made a mistake, when 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 you you know my son or daughter came to me and asked me for something, uh, a privilege or you know to stay out later or something that was outside of the norms that we'd established. And they caught me at a bad time, and i just go, absolutely not, because you haven't washed the car, cleaned the room, or done the chore. Absolutely not. And they would respond quickly with, you know, an outburst that I just walked away from because I didn't want to hear it, and I didn't want to turn around and, you know, lower the hammer on them mm-hmm, for that, mm-hmm. you know. But what I did want them to learn was uh, how, to, how we could have handled that better. Mm-hmm. And in that particular scenario, I will eventually look for the teachable moment mm-hmm. where I could come back and go, Hey, I I I apologize for that.
2: It's really it's the apology that makes such a huge difference when a, yeah, when an adult Now yeah, let's get can into say, that a bit because yeah. you know,
1: the apology and, and even with adults today, today, even with adults, uh when people apologize, they go, Hey, I, I'm sorry for uh, what we just happened back there, but I was really concerned with – I want to stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that butt kills you every yeah. time. Or you I'm have, sorry have that you felt. Period. You have to go, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. And yeah. you can move on and go, I'm sorry about that. After we had talked, I, I felt badly and I, I just didn't handle it well. But when you say I'm sorry about that, period, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. And just let it happen, otherwise it just is less than total sincerity. It's, it
2: doesn't, it makes it's not a true apology. another another one that that I, I'd really try hard not to do, but I guess I don't know everybody makes mistakes sometimes is I'm sorry that you felt that way like I'm sorry not I'm sorry about what I did, but I'm sorry about what I did and like just how it caused you to feel. It's almost a it's sort of a non-apology
1: yeah you, you, know? you, you can flip that easily, and you know my whole point is, how, where do you figure this out? I mean, it just, you have to learn it. And once you figure it out, it's good for you. So f- I'm sorry you feel that way. It's like, I'm i am sorry. My intention was just to tell you that this is how I saw the issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and just just to let the words sit.
2: Yeah. So that the other person knows that you're apologizing and also can maybe start to see where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, and the other issue, and the issue itself, whatever it is, can be so fraught with emotion that when uh, when somebody is talking, you you've got to jump right in there and you try to talk right over them, Mm -hmm. and and that just that just kind of diffuses the whole power of the apology as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, this is where you learn these things, and in is in your family. You learn you learn how to apologize or whether to apologize, kind of growing up. And in my in my educational background, so I have a master's in early childhood education and. I have um, a lot of years in the classroom. And one of the best things that ever happened to me was we went, I was, I was like sort of on a professional day, I went to a conference and I don't remember the gentleman who was talking, but he said so many things that resonated with me. It was a conference for how to, like classroom management with special needs students, with the consideration of special needs students. And, and um, he, one of the things he said that's just has stayed with me and I think will forever is, because this was now 20 years ago or something, he said right now at this conference take a like a post-it note in fact he might have passed them out and he said write write one word on this post-it note that word needs to be what you what you project at all times when you're speaking to your students what you project when you walk into a room like they need to feel this from you at all times and you know he says something like if you if you do that then what will happen is you'll end up it'll it'll become a part of you like and this word will come out in every interaction you have with your with your students, with whoever else, you know, with your family, whatever. And I did. And um, he said, put it somewhere where you don't see it all the time. But every once in a while, you open a cabinet door and oh, yeah, there it is to remind you. And um, uh, the word I wrote down was caring. I wanted my students to think of me as caring no matter what. And to just have that word to fall back on has helped so much, not just with, in the classroom, but at home with my family, because because it's. It would be very easy to fly off the handle sometimes, and and just to remember that what I need them to get from me is the sense of caring, has really helped. So if that I that is a
1: great habit. I love that. Oh, thank you. I love that. I love your choice of that word, and I love the the whole habit itself. That's yeah. just excellent. Well,
2: thank you. It's 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 really really helped, and um, in kind of along in this vein, we're we are having a family conflict right now that I'm wondering if maybe uh, I could ask for help with, um. And now, keep in mind at your own risk. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'd love I'd love the your insight. I think is really what I'm kind of hoping for. And I I think so. uh, The reason I bring it up is because I think in every family there are disagreements about like what to have for dinner and whose channel is on the big TV and you know what are you going to wear today? Oh, you're not wearing that kind of thing. And um, in our house, uh, because I've had I've had this sort of mystery illness for three and a half uh, almost four years now called tendinosis, which is Chronic tendinitis. That's really, it's just a catch all phrase for chronic tendinitis. And as a result, I, for a while, I had lost the use of my legs. I uh, most recently have spent about a year with, with like not practical use of my hands at all. And uh, I'm coming back from that. And as I do, I'm getting, I, for instance, a goal of mine has been to climb Mount Washington. And um, I was thinking about that with the big rock show because you were talking about hiking somewhere in, in Virginia.
1: Right. Yeah. And, Old rag, uh, coming up. yeah,
2: that's right. And, I thought to myself, I mean, you know, uh, uh, over those last couple these last couple of months, I've been like, wouldn't it be great if this summer we could climb out Washington as a family? My husband and I have talked about it a little bit. And I got just about three, three, four weeks ago, I got totally cleared by my rheumatologist, by my primary care doctor, by physical therapists to, to do this, to take this on. It's going to be a four-day trek. And. Um, And the kids and my husband are, are quote, on board. (laughs) I've got air quotes going here that you can't see, but they're there. Um, Because a family living down the street is is planning to come as well. And this past Saturday or Sunday was the first day that we were all going to go. The two families were going to go for a hike. It was a beautiful day. We were going to go to this place that not for a long hike, but just for kind of a preparatory first foray out. And the mom couldn't go. And then the daughter couldn't go. And then the son couldn't go. And then my son was my 14 year old was like, Oh, I really don't want to go today. And I was like, Well, oh, you know, let's think about that or whatever. And then he said, But mom, I don't think I really want to climb out Washington. And I was like, Oh, no. <laughs> like, who's And I, obviously, I can't make him climb Mount Washington. What ended up happening on Sunday was my husband and our ten-year-old and I went. We, we naturally, we, we felt that we could not. It would not be fun for anyone, least of all him, if we dragged our fourteen-year-old on a hike he didn't want to be on this this past weekend. But I I guess the conflict comes in with, uh, like, I really, really want to do this. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it by myself. In other words, there's nobody to stay home with the children so that I can go hike Mount Washington. Um, and I'm wondering like, how do I need to drop it? <laughs> do, like, that's the conflict. It's not really an argument. It's more of a how do I make this decision or move from move on from here?
1: Here is where I am, and this is really just quick response. Um think about your response to the family framed up in terms of this is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And from your description, I think it is important to you. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage you to to share that with them. Now, this is really important to me. It's not a card you could play every day. Mm-hmm. This is not, you know, no, we're not watching what you want to watch tonight. This is important to me. This is not, no, we're not having pizza tonight. This is important to me. Yeah. This is a big event. This yeah. is like a whole card you can't pull out a lot. But, you know, I... I, I think that would resonate with a family in terms of, you know, this is important to mom. Mom does this for us. Mom, you know, makes sacrifice for us. But here she has said, this is important to me. Mm-hmm. And when you deliver that, you you can explain why. You know, you, you've all worked so hard to support me. But right now, this is just a a moment of proof for me and a moment of urgency. And I I would like to have you there.
2: Mm-hmm. And it really, I guess, framed in that way, it really is. I mean, this—I feel like climbing Mount Washington for me to be able to stand at the top of Mount Washington when in 2012 I was in a wheelchair.
1: Oh my God, be that's a, iconic. Oh, yeah. It's just... I mean,
2: it would just—and the whole—and I can remember like uh, watching—I don't know—skiing or so. I feel like the Winter Olympics were on that, maybe not, but maybe they were on that year. And and I I would watch people, and I would think, you know what? I'm gonna if I can't ski on my legs i'm gonna ski in a bucket like i'm not gonna not do these things this is a i I, i'm an active person this is a part of my life and if i have to think of myself as active in a different way i'm gonna do it you know and you're right i mean and and i guess at that point if it's still like you know i i just can't i really don't i really don't want to i'm maybe we can talk about like what somebody's afraid of if, if there are fears or whatever like when we have this conversation around the table i guess about about going or not going right. I mean,
1: yeah. And you know, moving forward, you know, the whole, you know, doing something like this and saying, this is really important to me and I need you, you know, that that's going to influence conversations you have around the table going forward yeah, in the future, you know, when you're, you're the parent. So then you start them by saying things, I know you're hurting. What can I do for you?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, if the response is one, you know, grounded in anger, anger, excuse me, or frustration, then yeah you know, so be it, but this says, well, you know if I can help you in any way, yeah, you know yeah. it's tough suff- and and the the takeaway, the bonus here is despite all uh, all the pain and suffering with whomever is you're you're teaching them this that moment will resonate with them going forward mm-hmm. you know, I remember there were times when uh I mean my parents are still alive now, and uh the sad thing for them is they're in funeral homes a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of their friends are uh, are passing now, and they are at funerals a lot more often than they they want to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember very early, uh, Dad said, "I want you to come to the funeral home with me to meet Miss, to to give our condolences to Mister So and So." And I went, Dad, I don't want to go. You know, I was just I was just too frightened at that point. Mm-hmm. But he actually forced me to go, and then not forced, but you know, he, he he told me to go. and He I said, got, "This is really you know, important to me." Right. Put on a coat and tie, and went. Yeah. And uh, I just remember observing uh, the words he said and the tone, and uh, you know, that was important. That was mm-hmm. just something to file away mm-hmm. because I would I would use it later, and I I know adults now. That uh, people say, "Oh, are you going over to the funeral home? So and so lost her mom," and they go, "Oh, uh, I, I don't like to go. I can't do that." Yeah, yeah that, that, that's an adult skill, and you need to be ready for it for the sake of you know what apparently would be an important relationship in your life. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. That's really true. That's a really good point. Well, I can't believe this, but we are out of time. Oh, I'm so
1: sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I have so
2: much that I, I feel like we're going to have to have a part two because I've got like, I don't know, just a lot more, a lot more questions to talk about with you. So would you consider meeting up with me again someday and we can. Oh my gosh. Absolutely.
1: I'm absolutely honored that you had me on. I'm wishing you all the best getting this going and uh, you're really going to bring something out there. There are lots of stories and lots of helpful tips. Uh, Parenting. I, I just, you know, I was looking, thinking by talking to you today and going, yeah, I remember the time we had to do this and we had this good event we had this bad event and then this happened and this happened. You know, everybody's story and, and sharing those stories are such a big thing. You're really on to something here. Oh, Congrats thank to you. you.
2: Thank you very much. Dr. Bob, this has been an amazing conversation. Listeners, to connect with Dr. Bob Nolly, you can visit him on the web at LabradorLeadership.com or find him on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Labrador Leadership or on Twitter at, at Lab Leadership. And friends and folks, you've been listening to Episode 9 of We Turned Out Okay. I hope today's show gave you a little bit of inspiration, a new idea to try, or a new step to take to help your kids in life or just have fun with them. And if you like today's show and you think other parents just like you would like it, the best thing you could do would be to head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a review. The more five-star reviews we get, the more people we can reach, and suddenly everybody is using the best of old-school parenting, and life is great. It would be awesome if you could support the show in this way. For notes from today's episode and to check out the blog, head to we turned out find us on Facebook at Facebook slash we turned out okay, and find me on Twitter at Stoneage Techie. I don't know, do you say at at do you say find me on Twitter at at Stoneage Techie or just at Stone Age Techie? <laughs>
1: Either, okay. way, Either way, what you make the rules. Okay. Make the rules. Yeah. Or,
2: or just by searching on Karen Locke Culp. Special thanks today to our producer, the man who loves to be found on a long driveway in Maine, sledding downhill at top speed, 17-time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want to take to Australia. Find us on the web at com, where you'll find show notes and more.
2: What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese.
0: And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. theater Theater. Oh. <laughs> theater. 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 Theater.